the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And uh, first of all, let me say, before we get started, don't believe... Don't believe the hype. Don't believe what you're told. Don't believe anything. In my new motto, I think I've got to get a T-shirt. Distrust and verify. Distrust and verify. Basically, what I mean is the old, uh, remember Ronald Reagan? He was such a sunny optimist. He would always say, trust and verify. So he was starting from a, a position of optimism about his fellow man or anybody else. Mine is distrust and verify. I just think at this point, you cannot believe anything you're told. You cannot even believe your um, lion eyes because videos even are, are misleading and are doctored and everything else. So, uh, But what I mean, especially at this point, is if you're thinking about what happened in the election on Tuesday and the midterm elections, uh, you just can't believe anything you're hearing yet. I mean, the, the, the lies you're being told about uh, what happened and what it means, just don't believe it. So that's my that's my opening salvo. Hey, in a few moments, um, we've got some great guests. Uh, John Schlafly will be back with us. Uh, he's got another column up this week. And uh, we also uh, will be visiting. Oh, let me check. Oh, yeah. Daniel Greenfield. I'm sorry. Jeez. Um, David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, he's got a piece on publishing and uh, on how uh, a German company is trying to swallow up one of the last of the major American publishers. And so I, I saw that story, Daniel Greenfield of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. He'll be on and we'll talk to him about that. All right. So what you need to know today, uh, it's going to sound a little bit like a broken record, uh, but it's not. And I promise you uh, it's not. And in fact, it ties in well to what I just mentioned, our, our, our second guest today, Daniel Greenfield. Um, and I booked him before I knew this would be the topic of the wink today. Uh, but here, here it is. The narrative machine is proven has proven even more powerful, even more powerful than we realized. I, I don't know how to under, underscore it enough to tell you. I, I mean, look, one of the facts, one of the facts of this election just in a few days ago is that the TikTok played a role. TikTok, the Chinese communist owned social media app, played a role in the election. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, what it looks like, and I don't know how we'll ever find out for sure. What it looks like is that TikTok was, uh, which communicates uh, in a disproportionate amount of their communications, they communicate to younger people and especially younger women. They made a point of obsession and and a highlight of the algorithms, I feel certain, the idea of worrying about this election and abortion rights and everything else. Do you think on TikTok that there's a lot of coverage of, say, the border and uh, crime and anything else? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not on TikTok. I go on TikTok only not. I don't have a registration, so I'll go through when people send me links to see. But my point here is the communist regime in China is able to control what our people know and see and therefore what they see and know, and therefore what they believe and do. And so they had an effect on the election. And that's part of the narrative machine. The narrative machine, you may remember, is big tech, big media, and big government. 
And we've now seen big tech and big media. Big, I, I like to say it this way. Big tech uses neuroscience. Big media uses brainwashing techniques. And by, by, founded and encouraged by the CIA and others who uh, admit that they influence uh, television and cable news and all. And then big government is playing a role more and more. You can see it all around you. And so much so that when Donald Trump was the topic of a question to Joe Biden, Joe Biden's response was, we'll do everything we can to block him from having a chance to become president again. And in the middle of that, he inserted a phrase that said, you know, including or within the within the uh, confines of the uh, of the Constitution or some line like that. It made you think it was like a one of those things like when um, when Susan Rice in the Obama White House sent an email at his direction, Obama said, send an email. And she said uh, an email to herself saying we're doing everything by the book. Well, thou doth protest too much when you say you're going to stick to the Constitution uh, in the midst of saying something that sounds you know, extra constitutional. I'm not sure I buy it. And so that's it. It was incredible to hear. But uh, again, I can't tell you enough. We'll see what happens when the Republicans get control of the House and maybe the Senate, if they have the courage to do anything about it. But the narrative machine is, is truly a threat to the republic. It's truly a threat to our ongoing functioning as a republic. There's no doubt about that anymore. I mean, it can't it's not it's not in doubt at all. And so uh, we'll be watching now. We'll see what happens. So uh, get, keep an eye on that. And now back to for a second, uh, back to the what you can't believe, because big uh, because the narrative machine is doing it to us. What happened on Tuesday? What happened on Tuesday? And again, we'll talk. Uh, I guess we'll talk with him tomorrow. Ryan Gerdusky will come on and he runs the 1776 project. And we'll ask him about how he won dozens and dozens of school board races across the country when everybody wanted to talk about how the media wants to say it was a loss just so disingenuous just so uh uh lacking in accuracy you shouldn't even uh, you shouldn't even um uh give it a, a second thought but it's going to be hard to do now back uh, back again to my uh, a broader point and what you need to know is i do think the narrative machine big tech big media and big government is getting more bold they're getting bolder they're they're acting uh, more boldly and acting out their intentions sort of in front of us. If you watch the uh, big government, Joe Biden, give a speech claiming uh, that uh, there was a threat to democracy, and then you watch big media and big tech echo that message, and you can say, well, they were just covering the uh, the story. They were just covering the president. No, that's not how it works. If, if the president says something that's not appropriate, that isn't accurate, it doesn't get covered as if it's true and real and serious. It shouldn't. And it wasn't when it was Trump. It wasn't when it was um, uh, a, a conservative in office. That's not how it happened. So I don't buy that. I think it was used as weaponizing. And again, it's a, a big media is brainwashing. Big tech is neuroscience. Big tech is neuroscience. They're using the speed of neuroscience. Maybe I've got to come up with a better phrase to give. You get my point. They're not messing around. They're not. They're using the, the dopamine uh, hits and the impact of people. They're using the, the, the ability to influence people through big tech, through neuroscience is what they're using. And big media is just using brainwashing, the images and the recycling of the language, echoing the big government. It's extraordinary to see. It's unbelievable. It's hard to believe it's America. But bigger, the bigger news is, uh, you know, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, the phrase that people use, you may not, you, you may not get what you want, uh, but you'll get what you need. 
the great philosopher, uh, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, is uh, the reality is maybe that is what happened because maybe we wanted uh, that big sweep and have big majorities. But what we needed was to slow down the march, at least uh, uh, slow down aspects of the march of uh, the uh, fascist Biden regime. Uh, But I'll tell you, I don't know if this will slow him down. Because I think that you're going to see Biden use his executive power as um, as uh, dramatically as he's done in the past, because he's not going to feel like he has to slow down. He's uh, he's not going to be stopped by the Congress. He's just going to veto things or not even pay attention. And uh, and I don't think you'll have a stomach, the stomach in a narrow split Congress for anything too dramatic in terms of impeachment or anything else. I don't think that's likely. Um, And you watch you watch the power. You go. Ahead, here's a prediction. Let, I predict this. The media will find all kinds of ways to make new villains, whether it's Jim Jordan or someone like him in the House or uh, Josh Hawley in the Senate. They still cover Josh Hawley uh, waving to people with his hand closed and they make it look like it was uh, some sort of salute. It's the craziest, silliest thing. Uh, but I, I can tell you, it's um, they're going to find villains, big media and big tech, and they will find a way to to make the uh, opposition in the Congress, the opposition to Biden in the Congress, to be somehow nefarious and terrible and uh, over the top. Well, that's my prediction. I think you can guarantee that is coming in very quickly. Uh, so we'll see. So uh, tomorrow we'll get an update also on um, the race for speaker. I'm not sure I can tell yet. Uh, if Kevin McCarthy will um, will get it, but I think he will. We'll see. But I'll get an update. I'm going to talk later tonight with some folks. So, all right. So we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, the man that was predicting a red tsunami, as I recall it. I don't know where he got his confidence from, but uh, on this election and his new column this week, his column is Trump preempts politicized prosecutors. John and Andy Schlafly write a weekly column. It's available at townhall.com and also it's archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. And uh, welcome, John. How are you? I'm fine, Ed. And uh, of course, we had to turn in our column on Election Day. And, you know, we didn't quite go out on a limb, as you describe, Ed. But uh, I I was I was my listeners will know I was being uh, facetious in the sense that I was the one calling for the red tsunami. You were you were you were more uh, careful, uh, John. But what were what are your takeaways from Tuesday's election? Well, there are a number of little, you know, some unexpected things. Uh, one of them is the fact that uh, some of the newly elected Republicans come from blue states like New York. Right. Uh, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, uh, states that are not on the map for the president, and yet they've turned out, you know, some new Republican members of Congress. So that's going to be a little interesting. On the other hand, Republicans did not pick up any seats in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, lost Michigan. one, lost yeah. one in Ohio. Yeah, Michigan. Lost one, yeah, Michigan. lost one in Michigan. Yeah, Michigan was interesting, wasn't it? It really went, uh, it went bluer than I expected. I guess that there was an initiative, a ballot initiative on the uh, initiative on the ballot that probably turned out some voters. But it, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Keep going, John. Well, so it's you know we're going to have to process uh, these results and see where we go from here. Um, and of course, the Senate is still undecided right once again and uh we've got 
you know, three uncalled races, and Republicans need to win two of them. So that's going to be all hands on deck from now until then. Uh, yes, John, um, did you? Uh, I know I was the one calling for more of a red wave uh, or thinking it was coming. Um, are, are we just a divided country at this point? If you're in a blue place, you're blue. And if you're in a red, you're red. And, and ne'er the two shall meet. Well, uh, I think there's a lot a lot of that. Yeah. And I think that uh, but the the money people in the Republican Party who control the narrative, I think they uh, they misjudged. Uh, the electorate and what the issues were to a large extent. And they, for instance, they, they announced, you know, way back in the summer that in their opinion, abortion was not an issue. So we have to not talk about it. Well, you know, the voters was only the pro-abortion people were talking and the pro-life people were not talking. Right. And so that turned out more votes for the pro-abortion side. Yeah. Um, we're talking with John Schlafly. He writes the weekly Schlafly report over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com. Trump preempts politicized prosecutors. Before we get to the column, that's the name of the title of the column. Trump's um, the, the, the media tried to make it sound like Trump had a terrible day on Tuesday as if he was on the ballot and all. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trump after the uh, after the Tuesday elections? Well, there's no doubt that the loss in Pennsylvania is a black mark. And Trump, in fact, Trump himself has already admitted that, that maybe. um, But uh, on the other hand, putting the Pennsylvania aside, I'd say Trump had a pretty good night. And uh, um, certainly. uh, And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, and it's not just on Election Day, but everything that led up to the Election Day, the fact that Trump was able to effectively eliminate eight of the 10 House Republicans who had voted to impeach him. I mean, that victory stands. And uh, uh, the, the members who are ele- were elected to the House, All I right. think, uh, you know, they're not they're not going to go down that road again. And I think we're going to have a solid class of Republicans, including the ones from uh, New York. Right. And uh, so, you know, I'm pretty happy with the ones who were elected and uh uh yes it's going to be harder for leadership to manage because uh, it's a narrow majority and i don't honestly know ed whether our republican leaders are as skillful as nancy pelosi was who was able to herd the cats in her conference very very well better than anyone yeah i think that's exactly i think you're right it remains to be seen whether kevin mccarthy can do that I think you're right on that. And I do. I did smile, though. I sent it to you. The article that where Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, referred to if it's really close, it'll be the Massey caucus that decides what gets to the uh, floor or not, which is part of what you're saying is you're going to have the Freedom Caucus. You're going to have individuals who can have an influence. But uh, more than anything, uh, from the standpoint of oversight, it'll be a relief to have Republican a Republican House that can do some oversight. John, looking at speaking of uh, lawfare and and, uh, and oversight and the use of uh, the, the law against citizens. Your column highlights the true the vote founder, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht. Now, she was a guest at uh, I think you remember, John, was it was it um, 
it was we did an Eagle Council once as a virtual because of COVID. And she was in Washington with us, I think. And we went and we had a nice uh, visit with her. Uh, but she was in jail for a week. Uh, yes, because- that was horrible. And I should you know say that Catherine Engelbrook is a longtime friend. We've known her since 2010. Yeah. Uh, I remember visiting with her with my mother, Phyllis Schlafly, mm-hmm. uh, at some length. And um, uh, it's just an outrage that, mind you, this is a civil case that uh, brought by an election company that sued her and got a temporary restraining, an ex parte order, which, you know, that's legalese. It means she didn't have to be there. And the judge ordered, issued an order against her without even having her present and had her arrested and thrown in jail. And she had to go to the Court of Appeals to get out. But she spent six nights in jail. It was an outrage. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Um, again, I mean, I hate to it, it, the language will sound dramatic, but in America, you've got people that she's clearly an opponent of the current regime. I mean, she's been critical and she's a conservative and they, 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 they put people throw them in jail. I mean, it does, it sounds like a it sounds like a, a, a novel, you know, a Soviet era novel. I mean, that somebody disagrees on a system. Yeah. Um, and so- this wasn't and this wasn't even the Justice Department doing that. Right. This was a private party who own a guy owns an election company is a chinese american apparently and there's suspicions about you know that just saying stuff you know chinese having some involvement i don't know if that suspicion is correct or not but it certainly deserves to be looked into and uh uh catherine engelbrecht had an informer who provided her some information and uh the uh, company demanded that she, you know, disclose to them the name of her informant. And the court ordered her to do that, and she refused. Right. So for that reason, she was thrown in jail. Hmm. It's um, well, I, I, and, and that's my it was a federal judge, though. I mean, it was a it yes. Was, so it, it, my point is that the legal system used against citizens, uh, it just is growing and growing. Um, you mentioned in this, John, that uh, President Trump was commenting on this in um, in uh, at the one of the rallies, I guess, in Ohio. Do you think, John, that this issue uh, of, of what? We see you and I look at it more closely. Our listeners too. Um, we see this abuse. Does does the general public get it? Uh, well, certainly the the you know the MAGA community is on fire about this. And ever since the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which occurred in August, I mean, I mean, every I think that ever all Trump supporters are just totally indignant about that. Now that issue has cooled a bit because it's in the hands of the courts and several courts who have come with conflicting decisions and we're not really sure what's going on with that. I'm trying to stay on top of that. But of course, that's only one of the, you you use the term lawfare and it's, it's, uh, it's an accurate term of the assaults on Trump and he's forced to spend millions of dollars to defend himself across the board from well, John and John, when 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 uh, when Joe Biden was asked, I mean, it goes all the way to here. I think when he was asked at the ter- press conference after the midterm uh, elections um, about Trump potentially running for president, Biden said this. He said, "Quote: We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power if he does run, making sure he." 
under the legitimate efforts of our Constitution, does not become the next president again. Now, on one level, Biden is so incoherent, maybe he just means we'll have to beat him in in the election. But it certainly sounds like something more (laughs) nefarious than that, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, of course, he qualified it with legitimate efforts under our Constitution. But I think there's there's a serious questions about that. I do not think that the Justice Department is, uh, you know, adhering to the serious to the to the requirements of the Constitution, uh, the way it has launched an unprecedented assault on Trump and his supporters. Yeah, it's uh, it's it that that that's about as frightening as uh, uh, and, you know, the one thing about uh, Biden, in some ways, I think he may be just, you know, sort of old enough and uh, so uh, convinced of his own power. They just tells the truth because that sounds like the truth that, uh, you know what, we're, we're going to do whatever we want. And, and when someone throws in that, as you point out, that phrase, you know, well, but just a legitimate, we'll just do the legitimate. You're like, yeah, it sounds like you're planning on doing a lot more than that. So, uh, well, we'll, we'll go ahead. of course, he's got an attorney general fronting for him, a former federal judge, Merrick Garland. And, uh, you know, he's hiding behind that person. But I, I all I can say is, aren't we fortunate that Merrick Garland did not make it to the yeah. U.S. Supreme Court? I think that is right. Thank you, uh, Mitch McConnell. That could be another topic for another day. All right, John Schlafly, we got to go. John Schlafly, everybody, his column is over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Thank you, John. We will take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, my next guest is Daniel Greenfield, and he is the showman, uh, showman Journalism Fellow over at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. David's been a frequent guest on this program, a uh, great place and a great man. David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, Daniel's an investigative journalist and in particular has focused on the radical left and Islamic terrorism. But it was a recent piece, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Daniel, that... Um, you wrote uh, that uh, caught my eye and I reached out. It, this It's this piece about uh, the book publishing. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, so the title is the ex-Nazi corp behind anti-racism is buying up book publishing. And we go into this. But the power of publishing, even though we all do lots of other stuff, is still very, very powerful. Walk us through what you're talking about here in this piece, please. You know, we often hear about particular book titles. Um, we hear about personalities like Ibram X. Kendi, who pushed the whole anti-racism concept uh, to the point that it's become dominant, which is the idea that, you know, everything is either racist or anti-racist. Um, there's Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility. This has pushed white privilege very much into a dominant space. Uh, Tanahisi Coates has uh, become a powerful co cultural figure, we don't really pay attention to where a lot of this is coming from. Um, We see different names on the book spines, but actually the reality is this is coming from uh, Penguin Random House, which is the world's largest book publisher. And behind uh, Penguin Random House is a German company called Bertelsmann, which actually has gobbled up American publishing, international publishing to a massive degree. Pretty much just any uh, company you can think of, um, any traditional company, you know, Doubleday, Ballantyne, Penguin, Crown, Viking, Putnam, Bantam, those are all different ways. Golden Books is all different ways of saying Bertelsmann. You don't see Bertelsmann on the books that you buy, but they're the ones who actually control it. Uh, their CEO, a guy named Marcus Dole, 
is actually the guy who's running Penguin Random House. And now they're trying to buy up Simon & Schuster, which would completely uh, take over American publishing comprehensively. Uh, They would dominate the hardcover market by something like uh, 40 to 50%. They would effectively control book publishing in America. And they are aggressively pushing wokeness um, in a massive way. Now, one of the uh, things that we really don't know is that American publishing is largely doesn't exist anymore. Uh, They're subsidiaries of foreign companies uh, like Holtzbrink, uh, which is a German company, Hachette, which is a French company. So much of this wokeness is being pushed by foreign companies. There's basically is uh, Simon & Schuster is really the last major American publishing company. If um, Bertelsmann succeeds in buying it, there will effectively be no American publishing companies. And that means that these companies are pushing racial hatred. They're pushing wokeness. They're pushing sexual materials into schools. And they themselves suffer no consequences from it because our society is damaged. Our families are damaged. It does not affect them. Hmm. Daniel Greenfield is our guest uh, speaking right there. He's a journalism fellow over the David Horowitz Freedom Center. If you go to frontpagemag.com, all, all the writings are there. Uh, Daniel, um, the the um, is the answer to this uh, to have more American publishers? I, I mean, I hate to it's it's way too glib to make this comparison, but a lot of Americans thought, didn't think, and didn't know twenty years ago when everything started being made in China that it was awfully cool to have this cheap stuff at Walmart. And now we realize we can't let our country be sort of gutted by the Chinese, and we've changed our mindset. Is there is that the answer? We need American publishers. Is the answer to know uh, what they're doing? I mean, I'm sure you're not someone who's saying, let's tell publishers what they must publish. But obviously, when you write this piece, it makes me think, uh, why don't we have American publishers, right? Uh, certainly, when it comes to certain vital industries, uh, it makes sense to have them controlled by the United States, uh, whether it's uh, the, some of the big tech companies uh, should not be controlled by China or Russia. We see how much damage TikTok is doing, um, which, you know, under the Biden administration, China was allowed to retain control over it. Mm. Uh And when it comes to book publishing, uh, these are companies that effectively control our culture. And when they're actually following orders out of Europe, that is a huge problem. Uh, Same goes, you know, for a lot of Hollywood, we don't discuss it, but China effectively calls the shots on what movies can be made anymore. And a lot of the financing for this is coming from the Middle East. It's coming from countries that are absolutely not friendly to the United States. So one of the reasons, obviously, there's a lot of wokeness in Hollywood in and of itself. One of the reasons it has gotten worse is because it is really foreign money, foreign interests who actually are perfectly happy with wrecking the United States. And in this case, Bertelsmann is an ex-Nazi company. Uh, it does not it is not favorably disposed to the United States. And it seems to be perfectly happy to just push the worst, most toxic, most destructive messages uh, into the United States. And this is something that we need to check. And beyond that, we have a concentration of power in a handful of companies, whether it's with tech. We've seen this with Amazon and Facebook. And we have a concentration in publishing, which is very unhealthy. There should be a lot of competition, a lot of companies. In this way, there will actually be companies that will compete more for the conservative market instead of just there being two or three or four world companies that completely disregard conservatives. Is the, uh, Do I remember correctly, is there one, uh, what you would call an American uh, company left, if, if- Simon & Schuster got swallowed up. Uh, I I, I was looking quickly, trying to find it. Mm -hmm. Is there one? I think it's um, controlled by News Corp, too, right? Is it? Yeah. uh, yeah. So HarperCollins is controlled by News Corp. You know, obviously, the Murdochs were originally Australian, but that's a complicated question. Anyway, HarperCollins would would be the only American company left. And and they're not that big, right? I mean, they're not. I mean, they're big enough, but they're not. The, they're not the dominant. They're a lot smaller. Yeah, yeah. So again, back to the. Um, 
is this a is this a uh, something that the government should get involved in? Is this something that I mean? I, well, let me tell you on the conservative book publishing side. Of course, you have small, you know, very small, but uh, comparatively to the big ones like Regnery and all. But uh, you know, the the uh, Al Regnery, one of the founders, I think, is the son mm-hmm. of the founder of, of the Regnery, started his own nonprofit uh, publishing uh, book company because he was trying to get conservative titles. I mean, it doesn't work very well because you can't get the reach. Uh, but is that where we're headed, or do you think we need to have the government involved? What, what do you think the next steps are? So, I mean, the DOJ got involved, and in this case, they actually secured at least temporary victory. But yes, I think the government should break up certain monopolies, certain companies, especially foreign ones that are effectively in control of our economy. I'm not for a lot of government regulation, a lot of government interference in business. But, you know, the bottom line is we have an economic situation where a small handful of companies effectively control everything. We've seen how bad this is with uh, the censorship of conservatives online. And uh, it's equally bad in the book market. Uh, Right now, you've had some of the last pro-Trump editors, uh, conservative editors being forced out of the big companies, uh, the ones who are actually willing to publish memoirs by um, some of Trump's people that were not bashing him and that were not bashing Republicans, because it's just being consolidated. When you just have two or three companies there's real that are all being concentrated in the same in New York in the same two three blocks of New York City literary row. Uh, there's absolutely no freedom. There's no ability for people to express dissenting views, and it's uh, the opposite of a free market. We do not have a free market. We have a market that is consolidated and controlled by just a handful of foreign companies uh, that dictate to Americans. And you know, we need to change that. Daniel Greenfield is our guest. Does does um uh, does Amazon uh, uh, perversely uh, uh, help this because? You can write a book and publish it on in a smaller shop and get access to the market. Does it? Do you think that contributes to uh, helpful or, or not so much? So yeah, there's certainly that option. You can just uh, go out there. You can uh, promote your own book. You can self-publish. It's something a lot of conservative authors are doing. And Amazon is helpful in that regard. But again, Amazon dominates the book retail market to a massive extent, and they are unfriendly to conservatives. So a lot of the time, you just write a book, and it's fine, and Amazon doesn't notice you. And then suddenly, Amazon notices you, and you are completely cut off. So it's basically the same problem. I see. I see. That's. I see that. Okay. Well, it's. Um, so, are you hopeful? I mean, DOJ. You must like the decision. But I heard you say temporarily. Is there is there a way that the lawyers for uh, uh, Bertelsmann and and, and uh, Simon and Schuster go back and restructure the thing and it gets through? Bertelsmann certainly wants to keep fighting. It is optimistic because so many of these huge uh, monopolistic decisions in the past. The DOJ failed to block, beginning with the Clinton administration, which sold out to Google, allowing Google to basically take over online advertising. And the win record has not been good under the Trump administration. The DOJ tried to fight the good fight. They lost too many times. Uh, so this is actually, uh, this does make me optimistic. I think it's one of the things that Democrats and Republicans are starting to both get around to the idea that these huge companies are crushing us. Uh, they're defining everything about us, and we have absolutely no power and no control in the situation. And this is not just one area where actually uh, conservatives have come together and said that this is the right approach. We need to fight this. We need to push back. Well, I I, I think that uh, I appreciate the uh, optimism, and I think um, I think you're right. I, I wonder what uh, if people be, uh, are appreciating the power of having uh, these foreign entities controlling our uh, our systems of of knowing. So, uh, Daniel Greenfield, thank you for coming on. And again, oh, he's over at frontpagemag.com. I'll put up on social media and on my website the link to this uh, piece and his other writings. Thank you, sir. 
My pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. And I will, again, I'll put it all up on social media, uh, links to that. Great David Horowitz Freedom Center. He's David Horowitz, amazing guy. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast launched by Phyllis Schlafly, who served as an articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Upholding that legacy and himself an author, national speaker, and attorney, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Today is Veterans Day, a holiday customarily filled with gratitude, remembrance, and unfortunately, exorbitant amounts of political pandering. Every American politician who's ever served in office has done so promising to do right by veterans. At least on the surface, it's an issue that everyone should be able to agree on. If that was really the case, then why do we still hear so much about widespread waste and mismanagement? Why do we still read about scandals like the 2014 Phoenix VA scandal where more than 40 veterans died while waiting to receive the medical care they'd earned? In the free market system, those that don't provide good services naturally go out of business as consumers make choices each and every day. In this way, consumers can provide oversight without ever realizing it. However, in a bureaucratic system like the VA, more intentional oversight is necessary. Make no mistake about it, oversight is a lot of hard work. That's why conservatives fight so hard to reduce the bureaucracy inherent in our governmental system. The solution is not to get rid of the VA. In fact, the VA is one of the very few federal agencies which is well grounded in the authority given to Congress in the U.S. Constitution. If the federal government has the power to raise and support armies, as the Constitution reads, it becomes imperative for our nation to also honor those who sacrificed through their service. However, the need for the Department of Veteran Affairs does not negate the fact that we must guard against the natural tendencies of the bureaucratic state. Only oversight will provide adequate care for the needs of our veterans. Perhaps you're wondering how we can provide this oversight. You can do your part by holding your newly elected member of Congress to account for his pledge to care for veterans. Reach out and ask what he's doing to fulfill that promise. Vigilantly watch for reports of veterans being mistreated in your area. Talk to veterans and learn their concerns with the services they receive at the VA. You can honor those who've served by taking these actions on this Veterans Day. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. America is safe only when America is strong. Our national defense requires the most modern technology and best trained soldiers. And there should be no social politics or idle threats coming out of Washington. At phyllisschlafly.com, we take this work very seriously. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's talk. Let us talk about the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Um, my uh, brother, uh, James Martin, Jim Martin, is a retired Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. You never call those guys. You never say uh, a former Marine. They don't like that. They're a, they're a retired Marine. And um, and it's um, so I, he is. We had some family friends down the street. Uh, Mr. Schwartz was a Marine, decorated Marine in World War. Excuse me, in uh, the um, Vietnam 
My dad's uh, best friend, his cousin, uh, was a uh, Marine, and he just passed away last uh, two or three weeks ago. He um, was a Marine in Vietnam also. And so they celebrate the Marine Corps birthday uh, on November 10th, November 10th, because it was November 10th, 1775. You read that right. Uh, before America started, there was the Marine, uh, the Continental Marines, they were called, and they were started, I believe, I'm trying to find my notes i took these down uh tun tavern that's what it is tun tavern is the place in philadelphia it's regarded as the uh marine corps birthplace um because it's where they first started the Marine Corps in on uh, November tenth, seventeen seventy five, and they have and they have the Marines a just an uh, unbelievable uh, record of uh, war fighting and of leadership, just extraordinary. And my brother, as I mentioned, went into the Marine Corps after having seen around him um, some inspiring uh, Marines, like I mentioned, my dad's cousin and best buddy Bobby Heck, uh, Mr. Schwartz down the street, Don Schwartz, who was decorated. And so my brother went in the Marine Corps and he fought in Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, was an extraordinary, is a historic, was was a wonderfully heroic uh, fighter and uh, now is retired, as I mentioned, as a firefighter. And uh, but it was um, so I learned a lot about the Marine Corps. And uh, so there's many, many folks that I know uh, that served the Marine Corps. And it's an extraordinary um, organization. And there's lots of things about it that are noteworthy. But one of the things that's so noteworthy is the loyalty that the uh, Marines have for each other and for the Corps. And I know it's part of what's distilled in the uh, instilled in them. Geez, I'm having a tough time instilled in them uh, during training and all. But it's something more than that. It's actually it's it is kind of uh, uh, a spiritual um, uh entity uh and they have a sort of uh, well the classic thing is esprit de corps they have a, a a a spirit that connects them and makes it so there's an in, intense loyalty uh, and one of the other marines great marine is uh, randy soriano my buddy a friend of mine from uh st louis who's a lawyer and uh, was in the marine corps right after college extraordinary guy also and they, so they have a certain quality uh, Marines that is from the the time that they're trained and and buy into the vision and it's sort of beaten into them also, uh, but it's extraordinary and so the the famous uh, phrase that is their motto is semper fi semper fidelis always faithful and uh and it's that's always true it's true of them and their service so a uh, happy birthday to the united states marine corps to the many marines that served and extraordinary number of marines have lost their lives they uh they are um uh, the first into battle often um if not every time uh but um, um just a great thing for our country something America does so well the creation of these kinds of uh, of entities, these kinds of organizations, and certainly in our history, one of the most uh, important and most impressive is the United States Marine Corps. So, happy birthday to the Marines and uh, to my brother and to Randy Soriano and to uh, uh, Mr. Schwartz, um, all these Marines that have served. Uh, what an amazing thing for our country! So, if you know a Marine, uh, just all you have to do you don't have to do anything else. Just send them a text. Happy birthday! They know exactly. 
exactly. They don't. You don't have to say happy Marine Corps birthday. They, happy birthday. They all get it. And uh, one of the fun things when my brother was in the Marine Corps, they always celebrate. They have Marine Corps ball and they have big parties and stuff. They uh, take their they take their birthday celebration seriously uh, for the United States Marine Corps. So happy birthday to the Marine Corps uh, on November tenth. And um, we'll take a break. When we come back, um, excuse me. We will take a break. When we come back um, tomorrow. It will be Veterans Day, which is also something interesting. Marine Corps birthday is November 10th, Veterans Day, November 11th. Uh, always uh, important days to mark our, the great servants uh, of our nation. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you to Noah Dingley, a great uh, producer, and uh, Joanna Spilger, associate producer. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.